So good morning, everyone. Pastor Chuck Blair here at New Church Live. It's wonderful to have you joining us this morning. We have a very special service ahead for you. One of the things that, that comes to mind when we do services like what we're going to be doing today, the conversation we're going to be having, goes back to, uh, to way back when, when New Church Live started. And what we were talking about was, was what kind of church do we want this to be? So we surveyed people. We surveyed and asked them, what kind of church do you, you feel like is happening here? How do you think things are growing? And people came up with three words. Caring, accepting, and relevant. Those were at the top. Caring, accepting, and relevant. So as a church, we want to be a church that's very quick to care. That goes out and does things in, its, in their communities, wherever your community might be, that's constantly reaching out to serve. It's so important. We also are absolutely going to be ironclad in our commitment to be an accepting congregation, accepting from people all over the spectrums of life. We're going to accept people here, welcome them here, let them know they can make a home here with us at New Church Live. And today is about the relevance part. How do we speak to the relevant topics with life? A quote that I really enjoyed years ago when, when we started this whole New Church Live adventure was from a, from a pastor, Andy Stanley, and he said, most churches are answering questions people aren't asking. <laughs> I thought, it's really true. And we want to be relevant. We want to be, offering question, we want to be offering questions and answers into those things that people wrestle with, especially in this digital age. There's no doubt in my mind that today's service, somebody's going to be finding it five years down the road because they're in a hard way, and it could, very gently, make a difference. That's what we want to offer. That's the kind of church we're really going to strive to be. It's not perfect. It's about as imperfect as any human endeavor can possibly be. But the intention is always going to be true there to very gently offer people a, a, a holding, a, a place where they can bring themselves, where they can bring their struggles, where they can bring the struggles of their family and their community and know that they're going to be heard. I'd love to promise with a lot of this as we're going to be talking today about the, the whole thing around suicide, that, that with suicide that I could offer some, some great, terrific answer, some five-point plan. I can't. What we can offer today is just a simple being with. We know these topics are important. Last week, we had hundreds and hundreds of people joining us online throughout the 24 hours that we broadcast the service. And if you're one of those folks joining us online or you're joining us in person, I want to say, too, as we start this service, please feel free to reach out anytime. Reach out on the chat. Reach out directly to me. You can text me anytime, 215-740-3662. Because this is an important topic, and it's one we're going to hold together in conversation, and most importantly, folks, most importantly, we're going to hold together with love today. With love and tenderness, both for those who are struggling with suicide and families who've lost people to suicide. Knowing again that both, both are present here today. So I want to start with this. The, the, the facts are, the facts are, 
You know, here's a, here's a recent study that was put out by the U.S. Surgeon General. Emergency room visits for suicide attempts rose 51% for adolescent girls in 2021 compared to 2019. So it's, so it's obvious that there's, there's a need, and we're going to talk next week about social media. Social media can be part of it. There's all kinds of reasons for this. I don't think COVID's helped it. I don't think a lot of things have helped it. But that's a big statistic. That's a pretty alarming statistic. And what is it that we can do? What are those pieces? Well, I want to start with this idea. I want to start with the idea that, that we need to have some sort of vision. I love this passage from Genesis 15. The word of Jehovah came to Abraham in a vision, saying, do not be afraid, Abraham. I'm a shield to you, your very ample reward. What does that mean? Well, you have to see the context, right? Here's Abram, he's nothing. And, and the Lord is calling him to a journey into a foreign land, calling him to a journey, uh, really the hero's journey. And, and he says, look, I'm going to give you a vision. And that's what we have to start with. What's, what's the vision that we can have holding here today? Again, I want to be clear. It's not a vision that's going to answer all questions. It's not going to be a vision that solves things. It's going to be a vision that holds things. That holds the brokenness of life. With as much tenderness as we can muster. And it's going to come down, today's service, it's, it's going to come down to one word. And that is the word, stay. Beautiful book, by the way. The word, stay. Stay, and how do we mean that? Well, we mean it in three ways. If you're somebody who struggles this idea of ending it and having it be over, gently, we're going to offer... Stay on the planet. Don't hurt yourself. That's one stay. The second stay. The second stay is stay with those struggling. Support them. Now, I mean that in one of two ways. One of the things I know as a pastor, and folks, it is heartbreaking. One of the things as I know as a pastor is when, when someone dies by their own hand, it, is, it goes through all the coulda, woulda, shouldas. People blaming themselves, if only I did this, if only I did that. That's a struggle. We're going to stay with you, all of us together. That's one form of stay. It's one form of holding. And there's also, if we have loved ones who are struggling, just learning how do we stay with them as, as best we can given the circumstances of life and how challenging it is. And the last one, stay out of judgment. Stay out of judgment. I think that's so important at a time like this. We can, we can try to judge it. We can try to make decisions. But that's, that's really hard. And maybe there's places for that with certain people in certain situations where that's part of their use but it's not the use of a church. The use of a church is just to answer the question, what will we be in these things together? What will we be 
in these things together. So I'm very excited, folks, that you've joined us today. Again, I know we have people joining us from all over the country. We'll have people looking at this service for many years. And I want you to know that you're held. I want you to feel the love through this service. I want you to maybe be able to just feel a little bit of relief as we share a vision, a soft vision, a gentle vision, a vision that knows the wisdom of tenderness around these very challenging things. So as the musicians come out here for our first song, let's just all get a big breath. And just think who you would like to hold in your spirit today. As we go through today's service, holding them with tenderness, holding them with care, holding them and their families on this day with love.
beautiful song you know brings to mind Dorothy's Dorothy Day's famous words like we've all known the long loneliness and I think we all have at some point at some point in our lives probably some of us watching this right now are living in that as I speak the long loneliness so how how is it that we can just start by understanding like why does this happen why does this happen and I'm going to share with you some perspective here. It's, it's from a Christian New Church perspective. And it's from a, a way of just holding the world. And it, it's, it's, it works for me, you know, however you see it for yourself. Obviously, you're welcome to see it as you see it. And this is just one possible perspective, and that's this. In our lives, we are constantly kept in a beautiful balance by God. We can always choose, always choose, our reactions, the good and the bad. And God maintains that freedom. That freedom is so significant. It's like the apple of God's eye. God wants us to be in that completely free place. Because when we're free, that's where we come to be able to choose love. And isn't it interesting, folks, like with a little bit of a smile, those places where we really have freely chosen love, where we've really chosen love, really chosen the loving response, and had it reciprocated, what do we feel? We feel totally free. Free to be ourselves. Free to be accepted for exactly who we are. We feel seen. We feel heard. We feel welcomed. We feel loved. We feel home. And there is no doubt in my mind that that is what we all wish both for ourselves and we wish for everyone. At the core level, it's what we wish for everybody to have that experience. And we know this as well, that life is far from perfect. And sometimes this beautiful balance gets way out of balance. It could happen any number of ways. It could happen biologically. There may be a chemical imbalance or, or a struggle with, with something like depression that, that has medical causes to it. So there can be that biological component. And there can also be situational components that get us out of balance. Those situational components of where life all of a sudden breaks, and if it's, if it's a sudden and traumatic breaking, that can get us way out of balance too. 
imagine if you are like me, you've probably experienced some of each. And sometimes the biological and the situational can go together in ways that are deeply destructive. So what happens when we get out of balance that way? I would want to offer this, and there's a number of times I'm just going to jump in and out of the conversation with caveats. I would say, I would start with this. You can't see it as God's test. We don't believe God tests anyone, ever. God loves. God holds us in those times when we're out of balance. God's heart is always the first to break. And the world is not a perfect place. It just isn't. Sometimes biology goes awry. Sometimes life's plans go awry. Sometimes both happen at the same time. So when that happens and we end up out of balance, what can occur? Well, well, what can occur is we can end up into a very dark place that literally can feel like hell. And I'm, I'm not talking about that just as a metaphor. It can literally feel like hell. It can feel like we're in hell. It can feel like hell is surround us, surrounding us. A piece here of Christian New Church perspective, trial carries with it despair, anxiety and despair. That's the actual struggle. So anxiety and despair can happen, and, and they can become very much part of, of how we see the world. And, and anxiety and despair, and just think for moments you've been in that place. Think of the way the world looks when we're coming from anxiety and despair. It's a hard place to be. I mean, it's interesting, you know, that, that this morning, you know, I, I, we always keep an open Bible up here, you know, the idea that God's Word is always open. And this morning, I just opened it up, getting ready for church, and I, it opened right to the chapter, Lamentations. The Bible, by the way, is like a little library of different books. Lamentations is one of them, to lament. It's probably the least read book of the Bible. <laughs> Because who wants to talk about lamenting? But that is part of life. What can happen there, folks, if we take anxiety and despair? And here I'm borrowing Father Gregory Boyle's amazingly powerful words. What that can engender is the lethal absence of hope. Father Gregory, he works with gang members in California. And he said that's what he sees all the time. He sees that as actually the root cause of criminal behavior. The lethal absence of hope. And, and I think, you know, that's for the group he works with. I know as a pastor working with people who struggle in these other areas, there's, 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 there's a slightly different flavor to it, but it still is this lethal absence of hope. This hopelessness. 
It's interesting, right? Interesting, right? That, that Dante, in Dante's Inferno, which is a book written way back when, in the Middle Ages, you know, it was a book where, where Dante wrote about hell, and he, he talked about the, the worst part of hell, and, and what is the worst, you know, you sort of go through these cycles, and sort of the very worst part of hell, the inscription over the door that was written, all hope abandoned, ye who enter here. I think probably a lot of people know that experience. Feeling like they've abandoned all hope. Now I said before, right, there's going to be a couple times where I throw out a little caveat. I want to throw out one here that's really important. People. All of you have a part, have an inmost, have a divine spark that's always outside of that. You may not be able to access it. You may not even be able to believe that it's there. And what I know is that it is. What I know is that that little divine spark, that's that part that might have gotten you tear hearing Emily's voice singing, I'm not alone. What I know is that little divine spark may well be that part where you're sitting at a restaurant and that little kid makes contact with you, eye contact, and giggles. Happens to me a lot these days as I look more and more like Santa. That's that inmost. That's that reaction. And that's what you know is actually true. So, so I want to say this, folks, because I know some people are here who are grieving because you've lost a loved one. And our heart breaks with you. And I want to say there's a part of them, a precious part, that you absolutely knew that you absolutely know. And that part is living on. That part today would tell you this. I'm okay. I'm okay. Now, Folks, to come back to that idea, you know, of, of this, this, this lethal absence of hope and trying to understand why, we're going to use as part of the service several clips from Kevin Hines. Kevin was just, you know, to put words to what he offered on this stage, I think seven years ago, would be impossible. Kevin is one of the few people to survive jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. And as soon as his hands left the railing, he realized he'd made the biggest mistake of his life. And he goes around to talk to people about suicide and suicide prevention and how to support families when this does happen. He gave all those beautiful thoughts here at New Church Live. So we're going to be using a couple of clips from Kevin where he talks about this. And the first clip I want to use is one where he talks about why. 
Why did he make the choice that he did? This is Kevin Hines. All I had to do, all I had to do was in my greatest emotional and mental pain be vulnerable enough to tell the people who love me the most in the world the truth, the truth. But I couldn't. I should have. I couldn't because I believed, I got it stuck in my head that I was their greatest burden and that they wanted me dead. You see, folks, I never, I never once wanted to die by suicide. Listen to the word I just used, wanted. No, I came to a place in such mental warfare that I believed I had no other course to take, no other option. Because I believed my whole family wanted me to disappear. I just wish I asked one of them if that was the case. Such a powerful perspective. Kevin, again, truly an amazing human being. And, and that, you know, I remember when he said that, it was just so striking to me. So striking. The idea that he felt he had no choice. So I want to use that as a transition here. What if you're in that place? What if you're feeling like he felt? What if you are contemplating making the decision that he made? I want to offer some thoughts here, and, and I want to offer them not, again, out of like, this is, a, this is a, a, a formula. I just want to offer it with tenderness. I just want to offer it with care. I want to offer it as gently, and if any of it doesn't land gently, then just please discard it. Because there's got to be gentleness to all of this. What I would say is this. Some things to remember here. And much of this is courtesy of the book Stay by Jennifer, Jennifer Michael Hecht. I want to start out by saying professionals will help. Professionals will help. If you need professional help, get it. I've gotten professional help at times in my life. It's been absolutely a lifesaver. If you need professional help, get it. If you're not sure what to do, again, text a friend, text me, call me, call a friend. Do what you need to do to get some help. And then there's other parts of this as well that are really important. And I love these, 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 these things that she shared. I think they're really vital. Number one, none of us can know what we truly mean to other people. None of us can know what our future self can mean to others. And I'm going to cover these first couple here, and I'm going to take a little caveat in here for a second. The third one, not every feeling is final. That's important. Life will change. Hell feels eternal. What hell looks to do, like the game of hell, is to 
is to obsessively grab a negative emotion. You could think of despair, you could think of anxiety, you could think of hopelessness. Hell will, will obsessively grab that and seek to isolate people so that the only thing they have to live in is that thought. And hell will constantly offer reminders of what is quote-unquote true. The facts of the case, which are not the facts. They're shadow. They are nothing. They are no thing. They're not light. They're the absence of light. That's how hell works. In that obsession around those negative thoughts that can, begin, can become so great that we really do believe that this is the final feeling. That there is no tomorrow. There will only be more of this. No feeling is final. Again, I'm going to offer a caveat to put a picture to that in a minute. And the next one, your future self is going to know things your current self does not know. It's going to know things your current self does not know. Now the caveat I want to offer deals with this man here, Veet. So yesterday, I was privileged and honored to do a memorial service for this wonderful man. He lived a very full life. He died of natural causes, died at home with his beloved wife, Fran. Now, it's always interesting doing, doing these stories, and I, I know part of his story because I know the family, and I know suicide has hurt that family. That's part of it. And I want to step back for a minute with a little different perspective. Savit was born in Lithuania in the late 1930s. He fled during World War II. Right after World War II, the family ended up in a displaced person camp in Germany, absolutely destitute. He wrote a little biography, and he said that the family, when they'd lived in Lithuania, and then when they moved, both times the family ended up living in a, in a one-room house, which is hard to imagine. My kids can't be in the same car with each other more than 15 minutes. <laughs> Here's a guy who lived in a house, and there were seven of them. Not even money for glass. No indoor plumbing. So he was raised. So he comes to the United States at age 19, literally with nothing. Some of his family had already immigrated, and, and so he's brought over. He has, has a place to stay, thankfully. And he came over with nothing. With nothing. And folks, it was so striking, right? Because here I am at the Danube Club, German club, doing his service. And there is the people he loves most in the world just spread out right there. Nothing had become something. Nothing had become something. 
I share that story as an important caveat because it goes back to this idea that, that we just don't know the future. We don't know who will be part of our future. None of us can know what we truly mean to other people. None of us can know what our future self can mean to others. We just, we just don't. This guy meant a lot to a lot of people, but he didn't know that at age 19. He probably just knew a lot of fear and anxiety coming over to a new country trying to make a new start. And maybe a little bit of opportunity too. So to finish up on this list, telling the truth can be difficult, so create ways of accessing and support and sharing what is real. And the last part, remember, you are not alone. You are not alone. What does all of that come down to? It comes down to the idea of stay. Of stay. Now the second question, what can we do if a loved one is struggling? Again, obviously there's a part here that's about seeking professional help. And, and, and again, folks, I'd ask us all to like hold it in two ways. Because I think there's two kinds of struggling that we have to join our brothers and sisters in. One form is obviously when we have loved ones who are struggling with the thought of ending their life. There may be things you need to do that are difficult there, but do them. There's always the opportunity to be loving there. Do that. And then there's also, and this is really important, we can't forget the families that are on the other side of this. If you have family or friends, and I imagine every single one of you in here does, if you have friends or family whose lives have been devastated with suicide of a loved one, that same thing holds true. Stay. Stay in relationship. Say their loved one's name. Ask them how they're doing. Connect. Breathe. Don't worry about solutions. your presence may be as close to a solution and a resolution as they will come to. I love Anne Lamott's great words here. She actually, you know, when I was doing research for this, for this service, I didn't realize she grew up in the same neighborhood as Robin Williams. So this is what she wrote on his passing. Gravity yanks us down, even a man stunning in every way as Robin Williams. We need a lot of help getting back up. And even with our battered, banged up toolboxes and aching backs, we can help others get up, even when for them to do so seems impossible or at least beyond imagining. For if it can't be done, we can sit with them on the ground, in the abyss, in solidarity. A beautiful line there as well. And What we can do, folks, again, and I want to keep on hammering at this point, 
we can just show up. It was true of last week's service on group grief. It's true of this week's service on suicide. So much of it is just simply showing up. We just went through Ash Wednesday a couple weeks ago, and Kate Baller had this beautiful thought that she shared around it. We're going to put it up here on the screen. She talks about being a Roger, and this is her with her friend Roger. This is one of my favorite memories from the last time we could get ashes for Ash Wednesday, right before the pandemic. It was my chance to find the person who sat in the ashes with me. Roger was the librarian at Duke Duke's Divinity School, and that's him on the left there, for a zillion years, so I only knew him as a wonderful colleague. But the moment I got sick, I realized that Roger is one of those people who is all action. In the church, we pray to be the hands and feet of Christ, but we should be more, more specific. I love this next line, by the way. We should be praying to be a Roger. Roger would show up at my house at 4 a.m. to take me to the airport, and he expected absolutely nothing. Not a thank you, and this is a big one, folks. Not even a cheery story from me. Don't worry about talking if you're tired, he would say. Just lay the seat back. You've got a long day. Mm. Blessed are the Rogers. For this Lent, they teach us the unconquerable beauty of sitting in the ashes. As we get ready for our second song... Again, think of that simple word. Think of that simple commitment. If we're struggling, stay. And with loved ones, the exact same thing. Stay. So we're going to do a song by a good friend of mine named Michelle Lynn. She is an amazing Philly songwriter and bass player. She lost her son, and she put together this amazing album after her son died. She got together a bunch of Philly artists to be part of it, and it's part of her healing process. But we're going to do one of the songs from her record. This song is called In Memoriam. I'm gonna try really hard to get through it without crying. I'll never 
never know Words that soothe victory of after the death of her prince Leave me wondering are these words the truth or just meant to So, folks, we're going to close the service today with just this piece. And I mean peace in both, both senses, right? This idea, this is how we are going to be together. This is how we're going to be together. 
I'd invite you if you'd like, I know most folks are watching us from home, a lot of people watch us throughout the week, please feel free to just grab a candle right now to get ready for this last part of the service. And I want to start with just this beautiful passage from the Bible. And it's a beautiful line of Scripture. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Whatever side of the struggle you find yourself on, please know that. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. That idea of heart, so important. The idea of the heart where we're here to be brokenhearted, we're here to be tenderhearted, we're here to be open-hearted. And what does that all mean? It all means this. We're here to be wholehearted people. We're here to be wholehearted people. In some days that can feel so incredibly hard. And that's the journey. So what we're going to do to close our service in a wholehearted way is I'm going to invite Allie out on the stage. She's going to lead us in a closing reflection simply around a moment of silence, a little scripture, a little thought to center us as we go forward. Center us in peace and center us in love. Allie. Good morning, New Church Live. All right, to meet everybody where they are, whether you're a person suffering with suicidal thoughts and ideation, a person who has lost someone to suicide, a person who is loving someone suffering with suicidal thoughts, or you just love people who have experienced parts of this life and want to pour love in. One thing I wanted to share is that I want you to be, take a deep breath, close your eyes, kind of lean back into your chair, wherever you're sitting or standing, and I want you to invite God in between you and whatever is difficult. And I want you to extend hope in that space. Even if you can't feel it, I want you to imagine the word. And we're going to take a moment of silence for all those we love who are suffering, have suffered, and for ourselves.
Now take a deep breath and imagine that God, that divine being in between you and the situation permeating every cell of your being as you breathe in. And as you breathe out, imagine love toward that person. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall they be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the formal, former things have passed away. this happens, when something like this happens to you, you see life differently. I mean, a lot differently. Every moment, every person, every place, everything you get to do, you can no longer take for granted. You can't, and I won't. Today, after going through seven psych ward stays in 11 years, 26 treatments of electroconvulsive therapy, many, many suicidal ideations, living with chronic suicidal thoughts, I'll tell you this, I'll never die by suicide. Never will I die by my own hands. I saw the wake of destruction I caused and I lived. I'll never die also because just like everyone in this room, we all deserve to be here and to stay and fight these battles, to fight them, to stay alive, and be as well as we possibly can. Three involuntary psych ward stays it took me to have an epiphany and say I need to fight for me. I need to accept this brain disease for what it is. I need to fight it tooth and nail and I need to exist because I get to be here and I deserve to and I won't take one of you for granted ever again. And if you are in this room and you are battling this kind of pain, brain pain right now and you haven't told anybody this is your time to stand up in two feet of water when drowning and rise, rise and ask for help from the person next to you. I'll end with this, ladies and gentlemen. It's a quote that means the world to me because of what I believe. Because I believe this life is the greatest gift we have ever been given or will ever be given. And I know that yesterday is history. I know that tomorrow is a mystery. I know that today, this day, this moment, right here, right now, is our gift together. So let us always and forever cherish this day and every waking moment of this beautiful gift of life, the present. Please stand for a moment. Everyone, if everyone who is physically capable of standing can stand, if you're physically capable of standing, is there any way to turn the lights all the way up so we can see these beautiful people? Is that possible? Is that, is it, no? Okay, well, pretend we can see you. Here we go. I tried last time. I should let it go. Listen, listen. Here we go, all right? If you are a part of this community that would help someone with suicidal thoughts get past them and into care, raise your hand. 
Now everybody look at each other. Turn around. Look at each other. That's all of you. I know there are people in this room that are suffering. So all of these people around you have your back. And you can stay. Because we all want you to. On the count of three, as loud as you can, stay today and stay tomorrow. One, two, three. Stay today and stay tomorrow. Thank you. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Lord, help us to stay. Help us to stay in this life. Help us to stay in our own struggles. Help us to stay with loved ones struggling. And help us to stay true, Lord. True to the law of love, the gentleness of compassion, the truth of sight, the grace, the grace of life. Thank you for your presence here today, Lord. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace and bring you home. Amen. Just a talk. He smiles politely back at you. You stare politely right on through. Some sort of window to your right. As he goes left and you stay right. Between the lines of fear and blame, you begin to wonder why you came. Where did I go wrong? I lost a friend. Somewhere along in the bitterness And I would have stayed up with you all night Had I known how to save a life Let him know that you know best Cause after all, you do know best Try to slip past his defense Without granting innocence Lay down a list of what is wrong Things you've told him all along Pray to God he hears you I pray to God he hears you And 
Where did I go wrong? I lost a friend Somewhere along in the bitterness And I would have stayed up with you all night Had I known how to save a life He begins to raise his voice You lower yours and grant him one last choice Drive until you lose the road Or break with the ones you follow He will do one of two things He'll admit to everything Or he'll say he's just not the same and you'll begin to wonder why you came and where did I go wrong? I lost a friend somewhere along in the bitterness and I would have stayed up with you all night had I known how to save a life. How to save a life. Oh, 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 where did I go wrong? I lost a friend somewhere along in the bitterness And I would have stayed up with you all night Had I known how to save a life Oh, how to save a life Thank you. Say.